Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening to today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. I'm Mark Cravens, your host, and it's a joy to welcome you to today's episode. I have a good friend and a special guest today that I'm interviewing, and that is Pastor Brian Wardlaw, Jr. Brian, welcome to Hope Along the Journey. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. It's great to have you, and every time I see you, of course, I go back in time. You know, your mother and father and I went all went to college together at Union Bible College, and every time I see you, I think, can I can I really be this old that that they would have a son that's old enough to grow a beard and have kids and pastor a church? But uh, brings back a lot of good memories, and of course, I always enjoy our time together. So thank you so much for Absolutely. being willing to join today. Sure. I know you're a busy pastor. Pastoring is not for the faint of heart, is it? No, there's a lot of ups and downs, uh, but <laughs> through all of that, God's been faithful, and it's yeah. always a joy to serve Jesus. Yeah, you're doing a, you're doing a great job. In fact, today I was at one of your parishioners' homes. I told you I was going to stop in and visit somebody who attends your church, who's a dear friend of mine, and he just had all kinds of great accolades he's to kind. say about you. Yeah, he's, he's kind. Got, you know, I don't know what you're paying him, but it's paying off. Just want you to know that. <laughs> good, so, good. <laughs> well, what we wanted to talk about today, of course, was I, I wanted to capture your story about how you came to know Christ and how your life turned around. But before we get there, I, I set you up with this. I told you I was going to ask you this. And that is, what is like the little known fact about Brian Wardlaw? So whenever I was in middle school, probably seventh or eighth grade, I was in a in science class, and my teacher, Mr. Matthewson, was reading these um, unusual facts. So, for example, uh, the average person eats about seven spiders in their sleep a year. Um, just little <laughs> things like that, uh, which will make everybody uncomfortable when sure. they go to bed tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that he read was that it is physically impossible to lick your elbow. And you can imagine in seventh or eighth grade with 25 students, yes. you can imagine everybody was grabbing their dominant hand and yanking it over their <laughs> shoulder, trying to lick their elbow. And myself being no exception to that, mm-hmm. I did. And I did. You were and able to lick your yes, elbow. Yes. And I, I hollered because I was so shocked. And everybody turns. I'm sitting in the back of the class. Everybody turns and looks and do it again, do it again. So I did. And I had been able, I was doing that for years. In fact, is probably until... In my early 20s, I could still, at any given time, I could lick my elbow. So you defy the laws of science. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, something like like that. (laughs) Wouldn't you love to know how many people right now are out there trying to lick their elbow while we're we're talking? They're trying to do that. What a claim to fame. I know, but I can't do it now. So... You know, somewhere you lost something. Somewhere along. the flexibility, the something. I don't know what it is, uh, but I can't do it. I actually did try recently within the last yeah. year, and I just 
it's not there. Wow. Well, that's that's fascinating. And again, I, I'm going to go home and try that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but not here, not now. <laughs> Thank you. We got other. <laughs> yeah, we got other things we need to get to. So, um, help us to kind of set the stage for for sharing your conversion story and how you came to know Christ and how that your life turned around. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing because you were raised in a pastor's home and your mom and dad were very active in ministry. So tell us a little bit about those years and what it was like growing up for you in the parsonage. So you mentioned uh, kind of getting to know my parents on, uh, on a personal level from your side, from your viewpoint. Um, my parents were, they attended Union Bible College in the 80s and were married in June of 85. I was born in 87. And you're right, my entire life, my upbringing has been unique from the standpoint of I've been in the pastor's home. So um, being raised on that side of the pulpit is a little bit different and unique. Um, I'm the oldest of three. So um, I have a sister that's two, two years younger than myself and a brother two years younger than her. Um, my mom, very gifted pianist, and so she was always there. And dad, obviously, always on the platform. And the three of us kids, you know, second, third row back, piano side. And um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have very fond memories of growing up mm-hmm. in the pastorate. Um, I don't recall fights. I don't recall any church issues. I, I don't remember uh, my parents ever arguing or fussing personally. Um, I... I you know, sometimes I sit down with people and I, I hear their story mm-hmm. and, and I just be honest with you. Sometimes there's a twinge of guilt that I have for being raised in such a wonderful home. Um, I, I have phenomenal parents. I love them you know, dearly today. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I've been out of the home for goodness, um, 15 plus years, you know, and been married for 11 of those years. So, um, I love my, my, parents very much. And we moved around a lot. I've never lived, even into adulthood, I've never lived in one place longer than five and a half years. Um, so I've been in a few different churches and dad's always pastored in my growing up years in the church of God holiness. Right. Right. And for a couple of years, he was in an independent church, but most of the pastorate when I was home was in the church of God holiness. Um, and just have very fond memories, great people, great churches. And uh, I have nothing negative to say about the way I was raised. Part of the conservative holiness movement, I have nothing. I have no stones to throw. I was very proud of the way that I was raised. Um, my parents raised me in a very sensible way, middle of the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always very, I've very much appreciated that, especially on this side of things. As an adult married with kids, pastoring myself, um, I've, I, I appreciate the way that I was raised. That's beautiful to hear because sometimes sadly, you hear some really horror, some horror stories about kids growing up and just resenting the fact that they were PKs, resenting the fact that uh, they moved a lot. It's almost like military kids or something. Um, but it's, it's refreshing to know that you look back with fond memories on your childhood. So evidently your mom and dad did a lot right. And to, and to their credit, they did a lot right. I mean, you're in the ministry, and your brother's a pastor. Um, I, your, your sister, what is she involved in right now? So my sister um, is married to a young man. They're a part of, of a church, and he actually is a part of a podcast. And wow. he's on pastoral staff um, doing just various things for their church in the community. So really, 
all three of us, two of us are actively pastoring, but even my brother-in-law, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's a part-time, you know, occupation. He's also, he works in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the weekends, he's involved throughout the week, but on the weekends, it is, it's all hands on deck for their church. So even my awesome. sister, she's a part of that process too. And, um, I, I very much appreciate the way we were raised. I mean, we all could talk about things that we didn't like sure. things that we've been right. disappointed with. Um, but I've told my parents and it's not, it's not really been within the last probably five to 10 years, which I've shared with my parents. I have no regrets and I hope that you don't, right. I, I don't regret a single thing about the way that we were brought up and That's raised. Great. That's wonderful. And again, they must've done something right because you know, you, all of you have a very positive outlook towards ministry and towards the church. And that to me is extremely, extremely valuable, which also speaks well of by and large, the way your parents must've been treated as being in the parsonage and being, um, and, and I just want to give a shout out to people listening, you know, care for your pastors, love your pastors, love their family because it's just not about the, the mom and the dad, but the, the children are observing as well. And that makes a huge difference. So let's take a step forward. So with all of that wonderful background and that wonderful family, you know where we're going with this. What happened and why was it that there seemed to be a wrong turn in the road for Brian Wardlaw? What what happened? So I I guess like a lot of other um, pastor's kids, and, and people that have grown up in the church on a pretty regular basis, for my context, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, Sunday night worship, Wednesday night prayer meeting. Right. I mean, you're, you know, church, if the lights are on, the doors are open, revival, it doesn't matter. You're there. And it could be a church <laughs> down the road. That's a part of your connection of churches, your conference, and you're there too. And Wednesday nights, you lift your service to go and join that church. And um, so I, what I'm trying to say is, I grew up with every opportunity in the world right. to know Jesus right. personally, more than academically, more than anything. I, I had those opportunities, and dad and mom are very faithful. Um, but I think maybe like a lot of kids, they're just kind of up and down and not really sure this is what I want to do. Um, and I, I went to public school my whole life, and um, I, I don't have anything disparaging to say about that either, except for there were very obviously influences on my life that kind of shaped and directed a little bit of the way that I was going. Um, and I can remember dad was very active in our, our conference youth camp. Um, we didn't have like a, a main camp and a youth camp. We just had a youth camp. Um, and so dad served on that committee, I think for 16 years and eight of those, he was a president. So that's another aspect of, of our church and our family we were very involved in. And I can remember on a couple of different occasions, one really stands out to me that, um, I remember going to the altar and I remember confessing of my sins. And I remember that, that, um, joy that came from knowing Jesus. I mean, I, I very vividly can remember one night getting up from the altar and having such enthusiasm. I mean, it was just, it was other than if I could say that it was just, it was different, but I can also remember in just, um, going to high school, my freshman year, it was that eighth grade freshman summer. We had just moved to Kansas, uh, southeast of Wichita. And that was the couple of years my dad was pastoring an independent church. And I remember starting out so well, you know, um, 
in my faith and my walk and reading the Bible and praying and, and, you know, testifying at a couple of different occasions. I, I can think back and remember that. And then, you know, the wheels started to get a little loose on the wagon, you know? Um, and then I can very vividly remember, um, some things happening in my life in which I just decided, you know what, I don't really want to do this. I, I don't, I don't know. The temptation's too great. That looks like too much fun. And when you're, you know, 14 and 15 years old, 16 years old, um, that attraction to the world is, is it's attractive, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and I know just a, a few minutes ago, I mentioned having such wonderful experiences that all being said, and I, I'm not trying to talk out both sides of my mouth, but um, I do remember my dad receiving a, a negative vote at that particular church. And he had the majority, but not percentage that he needed to stay. And at 16 years of age, that was incredibly traumatizing to me. Yes, I can and I, imagine and I, it was. I don't mean to throw that word around frivolously, mm-hmm. um, but as a 16-year-old, that's that was the appropriate word. Sure. sure. Um, I can still remember that Sunday night. Um, we had church and then the vote, and obviously— in between those two things, you know, our family got in the vehicle and went home and we didn't have a parsonage. So it was 10 minute drive. And I can very, I mean, I mean, very vividly, I can remember the doorbell ringing and four or five board members being on the front porch telling my dad, you know, Hey, we took a vote tonight and we're sorry, but, and I remember at the, in that particular home, uh, had a finished basement and there was a bedroom down and that's where I, that's where I stayed. And I can remember going downstairs and I was, I mean, I was rocked yes. and I don't, don't know if it was that night or if it was later on, but I, if it wasn't that night, it was very soon after I can remember being incredibly just emotional mm-hmm. and dad trying to talk with me and trying to work me through trying to help me understand the process of what just happened. Right. Right. And dad having enough wisdom to understand, having grown up in a pastor's home himself, having enough wisdom to understand that, you know, people are people and don't hold this against Jesus. Don't hold this against the gospel. Right. Is people are imperfect. And I, I will never forget I'll never forget pointing at my dad and saying, if this is what Christianity is, I don't want anything to do with it. And that, that night started a spiral for me that took me for about four years to recover from. You have to understand, I'm 16. I'm a, you know, what was I, a sophomore in high school, I guess. That, yes, you talk about redirecting a fellow's life. And I, because of public school and because of the friends that I had already chosen and made and because of some all, some decisions I'd already made just prior to that night mm-hmm. that I was kind of done with, that didn't help. No. And, and I mean, I, I could give you more examples from that particular pastorate that were just, it was tough. It was tough. Nobody should have to go through that, especially a teenager. Right. right. Um, 
And I'm not casting blame. I, I, I'm not trying to get in my head of myself, but I can still, you know, years later, I can remember being at an altar and, and giving that whole situation to God. Yes. Yes. And because I grew up in the pastor's home, smart enough to understand bitterness, it'll ruin you. Absolutely. And and I'm I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but I can remember giving some of those things and those people over to God. But from 16 years of age, that decision by the church, some decisions I'd already made, that that started me down a very dangerous road. That's great. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, you know, that just, as I hear you and as I can see you, it's amazing how even now that, that memory still is very tender in your heart. Well, Brian, we want to come back and, and we want to finish your story. But before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to a good friend of mine, Dwight Ryan, who is helping to sponsor Hope Along the Journey. And Dwight, thank you so much for helping us out. Uh, Dwight is owner of Ryan's Auto Sales. It's R-I-N-E-S Auto Sales, a family-friendly business that's located in Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. They have a website at their auto business. It's Rhines, again, R-I-N-E-S, autosales.com. And he's got a wonderful assortment of used vehicles. He's a great Christian gentleman to work with. Again, that's in Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. Look him up on the web or maybe even just give him a call. I know friends from all around the country who go to him and, and get auto get vehicles. And again, he's just a great guy. Thank you for sponsoring uh, Hope Along the Journey. That phone number is 570-966-2277. Again, Ryan's Auto Sales, 570-966-2277. Well, Brian, back to your story. So your, your life is spiraling out, wrong decision upon wrong decision, a lot of anger, a lot of Bitterness is beginning to grow in the soil of your heart. Now help us to understand what began the turn in your journey. So because of the situation that happened at that church in Kansas, obviously we were leaving, and the church we left to go to Kansas was available again. And interestingly enough, they reached out to Dad, and and that actually worked out um, to go back and pastor the same church that we were just at just, you know, a couple of years prior. So getting back to some of those friends in the same school system, there were so many positives to that. Um, But uh, as I had previously mentioned, I already made up my mind which direction I was going. Right. And so that just continued to, to grow. I mean, that just, the friends that I chose, the activities we partook of on a regular basis, weekends, um, who we, who I dated, just all of those things, your language, what you want, I mean, all of it, right? All of it was dictated based on a decision in my dad's basement months earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, So that continued to to spiral out of control. And I can very vividly remember um, a lot of bitterness, a lot. And and to which, to to the point that I had zero desire to, to do what was right. Now, interestingly enough, there were still things that I refused to do because I knew it was, you know, it was really wrong. It wasn't just wrong. It wasn't just bad. It was really wrong. And so even though I dabbled and tempted and partook of a lot of, a lot of things, there were still, there were still sins that I just refused to commit through all of this. 
um, you know, your parents have this intuition. They sure do. And they're not always right, but man, they're right a lot of the time. (laughs) And, you know, my parents were so good to me and they had a lot of reasons, I'm sure, to get rid of me, you know, from the home and, and enforce discipline. And, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe my parents should have done things differently, but they were very patient and very kind and, and tolerated me. And I am convinced prayed a lot for me. Sure. Um, they did. And I'm finishing up with high school and, and I'm done. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And my parents both wanted me, especially my dad wanted me to attend two years at a Bible college. Well, you can understand my mindset. Um, that was laughable and, and disrespectful. And unfortunately, I expressed that to him. Um, I mean, I had one Bible college representative call me and, and, and I told him on no certain, under no uncertain terms, I would not be attending that Bible college and was not very kind about it, regrettably. Um, and then I can remember attending our youth camp. Our youth camp, you could attend from, I think, 13 to 19, 13 to 20. And I knew that this was my last year. And for about six years, uh, three of those years, every other year, for about six years, we had Richard Grimion was our evangelist. And I don't know if you know or knew Brother Grimion. He passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, great man. I enjoyed hearing him preach. One of my favorite preachers. And part of it is just my own personality. You know, I like a little excitement, and he had all of that and then some. <laughs> the and, Raging uh, Cajun. The Raging Cajun. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, he was one of the only guys I'd ever heard talked about that he wore his suits out from the inside out. Yeah, that's right. He was just, he was always motivated. And as a center, and this is weird, I, I always looked forward to those years at youth camp when he was going to be there because right, right. he was just a dynamic storyteller, and he made Scripture come alive, and I just, I enjoyed it. But I did not enjoy those last few minutes of service because those were very convicting. And metal folding chairs, 125 young people, and I can remember just having white hands, you know, gripping some of those chairs so tightly because the Holy Spirit was working on me the whole time. Yes, right. And in gearing up for that last youth camp, I knew I knew this was my last one, and I made it all the way through until Saturday night. And that youth camp, started, you registered, checked in on Saturday, then you had Sunday through Sunday. So I've made it until the last weekend and it's Saturday night. And I, I mean, so clearly Mark, I can remember kids at the altar. I can remember my brother getting saved that night. I can remember just, you talk about the very real, powerful presence of God and like it was yesterday I could remember the feeling the thought well made it again I'm out Mm -hmm. that's an open-air tabernacle in Fulton Missouri and I remember walking from one end of the tabernacle to the other because I was headed down to the barracks and I was going to change my clothes and get ready for what takes place after the altar service. And I can, I remember walking through that tabernacle and my mom coming straight at me from the other side. 
Now, you made mention of knowing my parents. Um, my growing up in mom was never the confrontational one, never. Right. And dad always took care of the discipline. Yeah. Dad always, you know, that was I dad. I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. your imaginations are probably not far off. Um, but for the prop, I, I don't want to say that for the first time, but in my own, my memory, my finite memory, for the first time, mom did the confronting. And I have joked that I don't know who brought on more conviction, my mother or the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, she hugged me and she looked at me and she said, honey, she said, if you die tonight, will you go to heaven? Wow, it's powerful. And I, I mean, what do you say? To your when mother. you know the answer and it's to your mother, what That's do right. you say? And I said, Mom, it's going to be okay. And I remember, I mean, taking a hard left turn and going straight to the altar. And I remember the, the young people were singing and, and things had wrapped up. And I remember my brother was actually sitting on the altar with his back to me. And I actually had to push people out of the way to get to the altar. And I literally physically pushed him off the altar. That's how bad I wanted to pray. It's beautiful. And as, as I confessed and as I repented of my sins that night, I'll never forget the overwhelming feeling that this was it. I want to be careful because I don't want to portray... I don't want to confuse, bring on confusion, but for me personally, I felt like, Brian, it's now or never. Now's the time to make a decision to follow me. My dad joined. He helped me pray. And from that night on, I've never been the same. It's wonderful. Praise God. Never. Beautiful. Yeah. And been some some hard decisions to make. Right. Um I remember friends. I was dating a girl at the time I shouldn't have been with. Right, right. But those were those were some hard times. Sure. But knowing you did the right thing. Absolutely. And having the help and aid of the Holy Spirit has made all the difference. Yeah. You know, as I've listened to your testimony today, Brian, one of the things that keeps standing out to me is the power of decisions. You know, I, I think of the decisions that, that church made when they had the vote that night. I think about the decision you made when your dad went down in that basement and, and the decisions that followed. But then the time came when you made the best decision in all of the world. And that was, you decided yes. to follow Jesus Christ. And here you are today, yeah. pastor and Youth camp president. I mean, it's just like you're following in your dad's footsteps. And, I, of course, I knew your grandfather, too. What a great man he was. And so that's just so exciting to me to hear you share that. We've got about a minute here. I'd like for you to just kind of say a word of encouragement to moms and dads and parents out there who've got a wayward son or daughter. Would you just share some word of insight or encouragement to them? I think I think what I would say is um, never give up. Amen. That's right. Never give up. Um, the grace of God 
is so strong and so powerful and so life-changing. Nobody has sinned too much. Nobody has gone too far. No one. The grace of God can reach them and save them and change them and make them a trophy of God's redeeming grace. Amen. And where Paul talked about, you know, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That is, that's true. It was true for me. And it can be true for that wayward son or daughter. Jesus loves them more than you do, dad and mom. Think about that. Amen. The Holy Spirit is doing his job behind the scenes. He's doing his job. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep loving. Don't be condemning. Keep loving. And um, God, God's faithful. I believe that. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brian. And on that note, we wrap up today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. Thank you, friends, for listening. And as I always remind you each and every time that I have the opportunity to speak to you, remember Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. If you look to him, you can find hope along the journey. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.